The scripture reading today is from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, if you'll stand, please. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. You may be seated. Thank you, Stu. It's Christmas time. <laughs> Got all your shopping done? No. All right. With that in mind, uh, let's take a poll. This is a marriage partnership poll. Okay. Do you exchange Christmas lists with your spouse, or do you surprise each other? Here are the options, okay? Here are the options. We exchange lists. We surprise each other. We do a little of each. We don't get each other gifts. Would you like to know the results of this marriage poll? Here they are. The poll results. A, we exchange lists. Care to guess what percentage? 5%. (laughs) Two, or B, we surprise each other. That goes up to 17%. C, we do a little of each, a whopping 62%. And D, we don't get each other gifts. The Grinch rules. (laughs) With this in mind, I want to follow up with a, a short story from Susan Karras. It's called, He Likes Lists. I like surprises. This is what she says. It was the official beginning of another Yuletide season. And preparing my list was the first step on the way to my annual shopping expedition. Although nothing makes me happier than combing every corner of the mall to select the perfect present for each person... My husband couldn't say the same. 
after almost 30 years of marriage, he still doesn't share my enthusiasm for shopping. He's a logical, practical, no-nonsense guy. He wants explicit instructions on what I want and where to purchase it. It's his hunter mode. Get to the store, bag the gift, get out. She says, what's the fun in that? I like to surprise people. The delight that lights up their faces, that's what excites me. And I practically glow when the surprise is for me. When I pick up a beautifully wrapped box, I savor the mystery. Yet for all the hype of the joy of giving at Christmas, my husband and I typically wind up in a cold war. It usually goes something like this. Sue, I don't wear European cut dress shirts. I like flannels. I work outdoors, not on Wall Street. I wish you'd have bought me something I wanted. I gave you my list. Yes, he did give me the list. Detailed, with newspaper flyers attached. But I like to surprise him. And I certainly don't appreciate his present to me, a card with money in it. I'd refused to manufacture a list. I wanted him to surprise me. He did just that. Bruce, this isn't a present. This is money. Well, you didn't tell me what to get you. So I figured you could go shopping. That way, you get what you like. And besides, you love to shop. She says, you don't care about me. And she turns away pouting. I wanted you to buy me a special present. He says, when I tried that last year, you weren't happy either. A food processor is not what I had in mind. <laughs> By the way, I won't tell you about the year that I bought Debbie a vacuum cleaner. She says, as I headed to the mall to spend my present, I, uh, I realized something. I was getting tired of being at odds with my husband on what was supposed to be a happy holiday. I was weary of my complaining. Besides, although Bruce wasn't meeting my needs by surprising me with presents each Christmas, it dawned on me, I wasn't fully meeting his either. I recalled the clouded look on his face when he saw the shirt box instead of the square, chunky box that should have held the fishing reel he wanted, or the long, flat box with the new hammer he needed. Perhaps I, too, was wrong. I realized that what I needed to learn 
was to give his way, even if I didn't understand or agree with it. When the next holiday season approached, I didn't ignore his list. So, which of these fishing rods do you like best? I thought his eyes were going to fall out of their sockets. You're going to buy me something from my list? Yep, I smiled and tucked the list into my purse. So what do you want? He asked, hopefully. Instead of the usual surprise me that made him go pale, I handed over a list of half a dozen items and further, to stun him, told him where to find them. <laughs> wow, this is great, honey. Although it was difficult to change the way I did things, it was now clear to me that I'd been trying to give Bruce what I wanted. I needed to give him what he wanted. Christmas morning came, and Bruce wasn't surprised when he saw the long, slender package in Santa paper standing in the corner. But he was ecstatic, and I was happy too. It was a whole lot better to see him beam over his new fishing pole than to return something he never really wanted. I opened my small box, which I knew held my favorite fragrance. It was okay. I knew Bruce was pleased to give me something from my list, and hey, I love Chanel. With a sigh of satisfaction, I gathered up the sea of discarded wrappings and bows. Wait, Bruce said with a grin, I have something else for you. He slipped into the garage and came back with a huge, brightly wrapped gift. What's this? I asked in disbelief. Is this for me? Yep. His eyes danced. It's a surprise. <laughs> I ripped off the paper and tore into the box. It's my own karaoke system. <laughs> He'd seen how much I'd enjoyed parties we attended the past year where we sang, hammed it up, and had a great time. I love it, Bruce. It was the best Christmas ever. Not because we each got everything we wanted, but because we both learned how to give. I think there's a message there for us at Christmas time. When I was a kid, Christmas just didn't seem to come often enough. It seemed like an eternity from December 25th to the next. You've heard the saying, you know, visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. Well, mine wasn't that. Mine was the new Schwinn Stingray with the gear shift in the middle. Or the next year, a phonograph. Now that dates me. But hey, they've come back. <laughs> well, if kids have a long time waiting for Christmas and have a hard time with that, Parents are just the exact opposite oftentimes, aren't they? What? It's almost Christmas again? How are we ever going to find the time to do all the things? You know, I've got all the things to do at work, and now I have to go out shopping, and I'm going to try to send some cards, and I've got to decorate. 
whew, I'm tired just thinking about it. What this does is kind of ratchet up the difficulty at Christmas, doesn't it? And so, uh, you know, we go out and we, we head for the mall and uh, people cut us off in traffic. That actually happened to me on Friday. I was going to visit some people from high school, getting together with, with some of my old high school friends. And so I went to Dallas. And, um, and, and this big white car just really cut me off as I was trying to get there. And then I decided to head to the mall, North Park Mall. Hey, it's, they've enlarged it. And it was packed. I mean... I got the farthest parking space away from the mall in the entire parking lot. I kid you not. And there was only one. <laughs> so we go through all this process. Well, maybe we should just stay home and shop on Amazon, right? Well, then you have porch pirates. You just can't seem to win. <laughs> Would it surprise you to find out that December is often the worst month? For many. Depression is up. Though family conflicts escalate as we try to get together with family, often we're reminded why we don't get together with them throughout the year. And even thoughts of suicide. Wow. For most everyone, we buy gifts that put stress on us, perhaps to win favor with those who are angry with us or we feel guilty we haven't done enough for. It's not always a jolly holiday. Truth be known, it's summed up with one word, the word conflict. Take that simple story from Susan Karras. Conflict with her husband came not from major blow-ups, but just the difference in style. How we like to do things differs from those around us. And it irks the heck out of some of us. We all know that Christmas is a time to exchange gifts and cards. But do we know the real meaning of Christmas? Many people would identify that it has something to do with the Christ child. Great. Why? Why did he come? What was it that drew the second person of the Trinity to leave heaven and come down to earth? To be born in a lowly stable. Why? Let me direct you to what might be called the Christmas story according to Jesus. Now, at this time of year, we usually go to the Gospels of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke because they contain what we have as far as the Christmas story. Those are our go-to passages, and rightfully so. But nowhere in those passages will you find Jesus' words identifying what Christmas is about. Actually, for that, we need to go to the Old Testament, to Psalm 40. And we can also go to the book of Hebrews, which quotes Psalm 40. So I'm going to put the words from Hebrews up on the screen, quoting Psalm 40, verses 1 through 6. But here's Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said. Who said? Christ. Sacrifice and offering 
you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With birth offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. That is what our Lord emphasizes in these verses, that he came with a purpose. He came with a purpose. What is his purpose? His purpose is to do God's will. And what was God's will? For Christ to be our Savior. This was in discussion before the creation of the world. This was planned before God created humanity. They had agreed on a plan and Christ would come. He would take a body and ultimately he would die for the sins of humanity. Now, I don't know why, but we often lose the sense of purpose in telling the Christmas story. We forget about this. You know, we focus on the sentimentality of the birth of a baby. And I suppose there's a certain appropriateness to that. This is the time to celebrate his birth. But sometimes we forget the most important thing. Actually, the story is treated simply in Scripture. And the emphasis is on the fact Jesus came to die. The Lord Jesus, the eternal Son of God, took on a human body in order that he might die for our salvation. When our Lord speaks of his coming, we understand it along those lines. In the Old Testament, the sin offerings and burnt offerings testified to the people's faith that God would accept them based on the offering of an innocent sacrifice, a blameless sacrifice, to picture the ultimate coming of Christ. And so, in doing this, Jesus brought peace to the earth. Harry Ironside tells of a young Russian soldier whose father was a close friend of Tsar Nicholas I. And this is about 1850 in that, that decade. And because of this close personal friendship, the Tsar appointed this young son of his friend to be paymaster for the Russian soldiers. Quite a bit of responsibility. And unfortunately, this young man was not up to the task at that time. He had access to all this money, and he began to gamble and lose. He not only lost his own funds, he lost much of what he was responsible for, which was to pay the soldiers. Well, one night, he got message that the next day, a representative from the czar was coming to look over the books. And he knew he was done for. He knew he would be shamed. And so he tallied up the amount and he looked at it, this great amount of money. And at the bottom of that, he wrote, a great sum of money, who can pay? He decided what he was going to do. He took out his revolver, he put it on the desk, and he decided then 
that at midnight he would take his life. Well, as the evening wore on, he became sleepy and he put his head down on the desk. He actually went to sleep. Well, during that time, something that he sometimes did, the czar himself, Nicholas, was making the rounds through the barracks. And he saw the light on, and so he looked inside and recognized the face of the son of his friend. So he came inside. And he looked next to the young man with his head down on the desk and saw the paper. And saw the tally. And saw the words he had written. Such a great sum of money. Who can pay? Well, he was about to wake the young man up and have him arrested. But a sudden spirit of generosity came upon the czar. And he wrote one word on that ledger. And then he left. Well, sometime later, the young man woke up and realized it was after midnight. And he started to reach for the revolver. And his eyes fell on the ledger. And he saw something he had not seen before. He saw the name of the czar, Nicholas, at the bottom. Such a great sum of money. Who can pay? Nicholas. And he realized that the czar must have come while he was asleep. And he knew all. And yet, he was willing to forgive him. The young man took the czar at his word. And sure enough, the next morning, a courier arrived with the exact amount of money needed. In the same way, the Lord Jesus Christ was able to pay our debt to God. We look at the moral requirement of God's righteousness spelled out in his law. We compare it with our own poor performance and we ask the question, a great debt to God. Who can pay? But then the Lord Jesus Christ steps forward and signs his name to our ledger. Jesus Christ. Only Jesus can pay. And he does. This is the message of Romans chapter 5 verse 1. I cherish this verse when I had a Bible with a leather cover put on to replace the old tattered cover, I had this verse inscribed on the cover of that leather Bible. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus wants you to continue to spread the peace that he has begun. He wants us to spread the peace of God to the others in this world. So I've come up with some ways that can help us to do that. Number one, make Jesus Christ your Lord. Christ as Savior brings peace with God. Christ as Lord brings the peace of God. Now I have shared how graciously God deals with us. We owed, he paid. Some might think that I'm forgetting about good works. Uh-uh, I'm not. It's just 
our good works cannot take one cent off of the debt that we owe Christ. But here's the deal. Once we accept the free gift of salvation, that motivates us in a fresh way to serve God, to walk with him, to live in a life of humble purity before him. We can't pay the debt that we owe. Jesus Christ did that. But because he paid the debt that we owe, we are motivated like never before to serve him. When we realize he is a person who loves us and has done more for us than anyone else ever, that motivates us. It does me, and I believe it does you as well. As a result, what we can do is we can make him the Lord of our lives in response to his graciousness. And this can motivate us and motivates me to continually do this, to serve him out of a good heart, not to try to earn salvation. That would be self-motivated, wouldn't it? But out of an appreciation, a way of saying thanks to Jesus Christ for what he has done. Once we do this, we've taken a very important first step to spreading peace. Making Christ our Lord leads to number two, forgiving past sins of others. Forgiving past sins. You know, what you eat doesn't give you ulcers. It's what's eating you. <laughs> we need to forgive. We need to stop cherishing the bitterness that we have towards somebody that has offended us. Let's be honest. All of us have experienced hard times, haven't experienced maybe being disappointed or abused by somebody. Everybody has had some kind of story like that. Some of you more than others. Perhaps some things that I couldn't fathom. But nevertheless, all of us experience being sinned against by other people. Now, what are we going to do with that? We can hold on to it. We can cherish that and say, oh, they don't deserve to be forgiven. Maybe not. Did we deserve to have Christ forgive us? He set the example. And he leads the way that he wants us to go. He wants us to forgive freely. You might say, oh, man, but if you only knew my family, or if you only knew this person, if you only knew Aunt Myrtle, if you only had a gym in your family, well, most of us do have an Aunt Myrtle, don't we? Or most of us do have a gym. What do we do with that? <laughs> we need to forgive them. We need to look for an opportunity to bless them. Number three, replace old thoughts with new positive ones. Replace old thoughts with new positive ones. Colossians 3, verse 14, And over all these virtues, those he has just listed, put on love. It's the idea of putting on a jacket. You know, we get dressed up in our Christmas clothes. We put on a jacket or a sweater. Well, that's the image Paul's drawing on. He says, hey man, put that on. Make a choice. Act on that choice. Put that on. Put on love. 
that bind all these things together in perfect unity. All the virtues he has talked about are bound together with this one thing, love. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you are called to peace. And be thankful. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Music, songs, has a tremendous power. Remember when Saul was being acted upon by demonic forces, and it was just driving him nuts. He called upon young David to come, a musician, to play his harp. And I think he probably sang psalms, probably the songs that he wrote and we have in our Bibles. Probably the same words. He sang those. And what was the result? The Spirit left Saul, and he had peace. Music, godly music, glorifying God, has great power to transform our thought life and to change us for the good. You know, when I have a time where I wake up and there's something troubling me and I can't go back to sleep, I sing a song. Not out loud. (laughs) Debbie is thankful for that. But I rehearse the words in my mind, glorifying God, drawing me to those thoughts, taking me away from the thoughts that are troubling me. Music can have a great impact for good. Number four, be as gracious as you can. Be gracious. Romans 12, if it is possible... As far as depends on you, live at peace with everyone. When that certain person does those things that press your buttons and you feel anger rising, you could blast them. You could say, you always do fill in the blank. How about not? Instead, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Yes, there will be those times when people will not let there be peace, but you do what you can do in obedience to God. And if they won't allow it, at least you've done what you could do, and God will honor that. Number five, control your tongue. Ooh, maybe I should stop here. (laughs) Too often, the absence of peace is because we are the cause. The things that come out of our mouths create harsh feelings. I'm convinced this is more true at Christmas than at other times. We see in James that we are to be Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. 
Christmas is the perfect time to begin really putting this into practice. You may have the perfect sarcastic comeback. Don't do it. (laughs) It's just crying to be let out of your mouth. You just want to say it. Say no. I struggle with this. I do. And you know what I find myself doing sometimes to try to do this when nobody's looking? So I go like this. Zip the lip. I'm going to ask you to do that with me as a reminder to all of us because this is what we need to do. Will you do that? One, two, three. (laughs) And if somebody sees you do that, In the future, they may wonder, but you will be blessed. (laughs) And number six, take positive steps to create peace. Peace doesn't just happen. Sometimes there has to be a peacemaker. That is, people who work to create peace, who take steps to ensure that peace occurs. Take this example, during the holidays, you see someone who is always stirring the pot. When perhaps you were young, they were bullies. And maybe now they don't wrestle you to the ground, but there's still that one-upmanship, that trying to get at you. Maybe they bring up that name that was insulting you years ago. Or maybe they bring up their political views that are different than yours, or various differences in religion, or whatever it is. And it's sort of like, Gotcha. And we are tempted to respond in kind, but I'm going to suggest let's take this, this path of peace. Let's work for peace. Let's be peacemakers. Now, here are some ways to respond to them. You see them. Instead of avoiding them, you reach out. Reach out your hand. Look them in the eye. Welcome them. If they bait you, don't take the bait. Instead, say something like, say something positive. You say, um, you know, I, I'm struggling to find something positive to say about them. I'm not going to take the bait. Hey, hey, Jim, you know... I like your bald spot. (laughs) No, don't say that. (laughs) Say something like, hey, man, nice car. When did you get it? Give them a chance to talk. Or, hey, lovely flowers. Or, hey, Jim, I really like the way you did whatever it is. Look for opportunities to be positive. I think Christ did that. I think we are encouraged to do that, to keep the peace at Christmas time and throughout the year. James 3.18, peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Sometimes it's us up to us to do the sowing. So roll up your sleeves, get busy, sow peace. God wants you to further his peace plan. We need to be more than people who merely attend church. You know, the one-hour nod to God 
We need to be the church. We need to be the called out people of God who are here to do his will. Will you do that? Will you be peacemakers in this season? Father God, you who created the first Christmas, thank you for your gift to us, your son. Grant that we may be people of peace, extending your peace wherever we can. And help us to experience the joy of Jesus, being examples of genuine love that bring joy. And all God's people said, Amen.